CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Well, hopefully this show goes about as smoothly as Mike Riley's newly shaven face. Yes, everybody. Hello and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Back together again this week after Mike's absence last week. Mate left me... Uh, rambling to myself and making some ill-advised CFL fantasy picks. So uh, I'm happy to have you back on board here, Mike. So uh, I can steer you in the right direction. Yes. Welcome back this week. How was your week off? Uh, it's okay. Yeah? It's okay. I had some uh, stuff to take care of. It's now been uh, taken care of. Wonderful. So we're back here to talk CFL football again this week, and we'll get into... Everything from week two, which was certainly an eventful week, and we'll get into looking at some of the stuff from week three, and of course our CFL Pick'em and our CFL Fantasy updates is all as part of that as well. So uh, before we get into talking about some of the games from this week, let's talk about some of our let's talk about some of the results from this past week with CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. Uh, CFL Pick'em, Mike. I have been dethroned at the top of the CFL Pick'em leaderboard. If you listened to the show last week, I should picked... I, should I send you my advanced congratulations on a performance in week number one? Sure. Uh, it, it means or my post-congratulations? I guess, yeah. I'm and my advanced congratulations on winning week three? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so perfect week in week number one. Uh, week number two, if you would have listened to the podcast, you're probably thinking, oh, what is he complaining about? He went 3-0 and again in week two, except Mike wasn't here to talk me out of stupidity. And on I game... do have a phone, just so you know. And on game day, I changed my pick from the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the Toronto Argonauts, thinking, oh, the Argos are going to win this game. They're going to come out and surprise a lot of people. 64-14, to the Argos lose to the Ticats. You got that game right by picking Hamilton, uh, but you did uh, pick Saskatchewan to beat Ottawa, so we both went... And they should have, really, but, I mean, you would you would tell me an average football team would put up 41 points? You would expect them to win the game, no? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, to me, it was a weird week in that sense, right? Like, we had the unexpected shootout between... You know, two quarterbacks that are one of them anyway, establishing himself as the number one. I'm not really ready to anoint Bajardo as a number one, but the he, statue's already been built in Regina. But here's the thing, right? It's everybody came into the game suggesting that uh suggesting that you know it is gonna be a low scoring game, defensive straddle remember reading somewhere where Vegas said coming into the game that they would uh, expect it to be the lowest combined points total in in 
three years or something like that. Meanwhile, is one of only, what, 17 games in CFL history with 55 points at flipping halftime? Yeah, so, I mean, to me, that's what made the CFL so interesting. And the fact that, you know, it was a game where there were not many turnovers, right? It's like you would think that points would be fed by turnovers, if you know what I mean. Right. Both teams protected the ball reasonably well. Very well, actually, and... No turnovers, I don't think. No interceptions thrown from the And it was basically a situation of last team with the ball. Uh, Ottawa did have one more efficient drive uh, than Saskatchewan, and quite honestly, that was the field goal that they got on the drive, and Saskatchewan punted a few too many times. Uh, But one thing I did see from, from Saskatchewan to just touch on them a little bit. Sure. Owen two. You know, we saw them have a not so great performance in week number one where it was kinda you know, we're wondering if it's Hamilton or Hamilton being, you know, underperforming or Saskatchewan being not good of somewhere in the middle. We have come to establish that at least through two games, Saskatchewan defense isn't what it was last year. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, They looked great in week one. Uh, This week, not so much. Uh, You know, that Saskatchewan defense did get burned quite a bit by Dom Davis there. It was just a weird game overall. It was a weird week overall. Um, I'm actually impressed with how weird this week was that we both went 2-1 and in CFL pick'em, Mike. To, To me, I'm also interested about Dom Davis. You know, he... He doesn't hasn't really proven himself, right? He's been all over the lead. He's kind of been that, you know, started in Calgary, I think it was, and then Winnipeg. Winnipeg got him from Calgary in a trade, and then, you know, didn't really show anything with the Bombers in his limited action. And to me, it's just amazing. You know, Ottawa losing, you know, Trevor Harris and Dred Ellington, and yet you didn't hear from the gentleman at the top suggesting that, you know, there was going to be a drop-off. It was, oh, we're going to be okay if that's man up, and boom. Right. Before we go any further, I should mention uh, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all the other great CF Pod Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. And uh, in particular this week, I want to highlight the Eskimo Empire podcast to – Actually had me on this week to do a game preview between the Esks and the Bombers this week. So uh, check for that on all the podcast platforms. Follow them at EskEmpirePod on Twitter and EskEmpirePod.ca. Great time on the show last night with them, with uh, Andrew and Mike. So uh, thanks again for having me on, guys. And uh, yeah, make sure you all check that out. And be prepared for a loss this week. Yes. Yeah. So like we said, uh, friends again in week five, because uh, not only do the Bombers play the Eskimos this week, but then in week four, uh, myself and Andrew are going head to head in the CFPN Fantasy Challenge. So uh, two weeks from now, we'll be speaking again. Um, can we touch on general sense, not this week, but just a, a thought that crept into my head? We can touch on whatever you'd like, Mike. And it's kind of interesting because it, encompasses this week a little bit and, and BC kind of being all over the map. 
One of BC or Calgary is still going to be winless at the end of this week. Yep. Calgary 0-2 or BC 0-3. Yep. Let that sink in. Yeah, I don't think very many people before the season started would have expected that. You know, well, let's let's talk about BC here a little bit. Yeah. I think I think that's where we go next here because yeah. as it. we're speaking, I think Mike Riley was just sacked another three times because and they ripped his beard off in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike <laughs> Riley shows up to practice yesterday with his beard shaved off trying to get a little more aerodynamic so he can actually escape the defensive pressure because his linemen aren't helping him out with that, I guess. Like, you know... I'm, watched, I'm a little concerned in that way. I did not see this whole Edmonton-BC game. I saw... I checked the score. I know BC was up early in that game. They let Edmonton back into it. Guess when I tuned in? Five minutes left in the third quarter. Guess what I saw more than any other type of play? Mike Riley on the ground. Exactly. It was it was ridiculous in the fourth quarter. There were three consecutive sacks, a couple that were even called back by, uh, by you know, roughing the passer or other penalties. It was the same in the first quarter. I mean, BC went in. I saw this game uh, this afternoon on my PVR. Uh, BC went in, got an early touchdown, a two-point conversion to go up 8 nothing, aided by a couple penalties. So... It's it's a, it's an interesting time in BC, and I think I don't know if I told you this or if I told somebody else this, but the fact of building super teams, like to me, you can't spend seven hundred thousand dollars on a quarterback if you don't have some kind of plan to protect them. But that's the thing; they spent that much money on Mike Riley in the off season. But they also spent a lot of money on bringing in Suk Chung, who was supposed to help protect Mike Riley. And, you know, something has not clicked yet with that offensive line. Um, they didn't have a bad game in week one. I will give the offensive line that. Uh, against the Bombers, I thought they played pretty well. Week two, it was a disaster, especially late in this game. Like, Mike Riley had no chance. He had 100 passing yards at the end of the first quarter, only three Our Justin Jeff Code and... Uh... Willie Jefferson watching? Yeah. Only 41 passing yards in the final three quarters. Forget who said it on Twitter, but some ridiculous stat here. After, I think, the first five minutes of the second quarter, BC put up negative two yards of offense. Where's the running game? Well, and, and that and that's what I was going to get to here. I was hoping I didn't have time so far this week before this show, but I was hoping to crunch the stats on this. If you look at the team's, right now that are 2-0 and to start the season. Um, Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa. C.J. Gable's been running really, really well for Edmonton. He has he has 260 yards or something like that already. Sean Thomas Erlington has come out of nowhere team. and been a beast for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a strong Canadian running back there. Moses Madu, not that active this week for Ottawa. But he had a strong week one and was a huge piece of that win over Calgary. You look at the teams that have lost their games so far, the teams that, you know, some of these teams that don't have a win yet. You look at uh, Calgary did not get much going in the run game against Ottawa in week one. You look at Toronto this week. What James Wilder Jr. had, what, six yards, I think? And you look at B.C., Four carries for four yards last week. And if I could throw Winnipeg into your list, I know they haven't played two games, but it's one game and Harris has over 100 yards right. rush. 
But uh, And then for BC, last week or in week one, four carries for four yards only from John White. This week, okay, they get a little bit more. They give John White the ball eight times this week, but it's only 24 yards, three yards a carry. Heck, we're two weeks into the season. Mike Riley is four yards back of the team lead in rushing yards with 24 yards. Through two weeks, your quarterback is almost the leading rusher on your team with 24 yards. To to me, it's almost it, it's it's flooring because you know you look at those receivers. I mean, Manny Arsenal. I mean, not Manny Arsenal. No, sorry. he's off to Brian Burnham. Burnham. That's what I wanted to say. Um, Deron uh, Carter. Deron Carter. Like, you'd expect some fireworks. It, it's again, it's, if the offensive line can't create protection, I don't think they can create holes either. Because they're under siege. I'll play the devil's advocate advocate here. Um, I think BC is still going to be a good team this year. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I agree. Yeah, I and I think you know they've gotten a lot of a lot of flack this week. The Lions have, and to be fair, we just spent a couple minutes giving them our fair share of it too, because there are some glaring issues with this team. I have a question: Where are the screen passes? Exactly. The best way to help an offensive line with straddling is to quickly take the ball two seconds, boop, out to the running bath or out to a bath or short. Yeah. And, and you know, this could, and I, I think this 0-2 start comes as a byproduct of, A, you overhauled your entire team in the offseason. Mm-hmm. B, you have a rookie head coach here in Devon Claybrooks. Like, this BC team will be good, and yes, these issues seem large now. Give it a couple weeks. They Once signed uh, Dozier uh, yesterday. Brandon Dozier? Yeah. Oh, see, that's another big addition there as well for the Lions. So Dozier? Dozier? Yeah. This stuff from Dave Naylor uh, yesterday. Yeah. Former Montreal Alouettes, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, him. Very good last season, uh, Dozier was. I so, I, I think all hope is not lost, especially... No. But to me, the thing is here, like, let's look ahead a little bit. Let's say Calgary wins, okay? And they should win this week. Not saying that I'm going to pick Calgary, but does Calgary go to 0-2 and drop two home games? It just seems to be a little unrealistic to me based on the Calgary of the past. But BC's on the verge of going 0-3 with losses to divisional opponents. Man, that's going to be hard to make up any considerable drought, and you're maybe looking at BC being a second place to crossover team three games in. Okay, but look at it this way. If I were to tell you before the season, BC's first three games of the year are against Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary, they start 0-3, would you be too surprised? Probably not, right? But I would counter that with who's their quarterback. Yeah, but, but even then... You're facing Calgary, who's been a you know top team in the league for years. You're facing Winnipeg, who many people have at the top of the league. You're facing an Edmonton team that's improved in the off season. Like people that are slamming the BC Lions and you know claiming that you know all hell is breaking loose there in BC and nothing's going right. Mm-hmm. Like that was a tough first two week matchups. For for the Lions, and I, I think this team is going to get better as the season goes along, and they're going to start clicking offensively. I think they're going to start, you know, they need to start running the ball a little more to open things up there, and the defense is going to put it together too. 
not all hope is lost in BC. This team will be better yet. Let's And let's give some credit to the guys on the other side of the ball because we can talk about how bad BC's offensive line played as much as we'd like. But if you remember when we talked about the Eskimos in our season preview shows, what did I keep saying? Edmonton has built themselves quietly, arguably the best defense in the CFL or one of the best. And this wasn't even with some of those guys in the lineup this week. Like, Don Unumba didn't play. Javon Santos-Knox didn't play. Those are two of the big three pieces they brought in. And yet the Eskimos just tormented Riley and the Lions' offense in that game. I'll play devil's advocate again. When you're on the field a lot more times than you're not, it makes your defense look good. But But the thing is... The time of possession, Mike, was only 25 seconds difference. BC had the ball for 30 minutes and 25 seconds. Edmonton had it for 29.35. That's just unheard of. And the game was as lopsided as it looked. But to me, what 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 was interesting was, I think the score was flattering as far as what the actual score was compared to what happened in the game. Edmonton's offense has not missed a flipping beat without Mike Riley, Darrell Walker, Bryant Mitchell, Duke Williams. And that's just absurd. Like, those are four high-quality pieces this team lost in the offseason, and their offense might be better this year. Like, Trevor Harris, through two games, has 700 and something I'm not yards complaining. passing. I'm He's my quarterback in, uh, in, our, in fantasy. fantasy. Um Trevor Harris has 700 and something yards, eight touchdowns through two games. C.J. Gable has 260 yards-ish and a touchdown. Like, the thing about this Edmonton attack that I haven't seen from them in years is how well they're using C.J. Gable. And I know you look at the two, you look at these uh, two teams they've beaten so far. Montreal, a team that everybody, uh, you know, expects them to beat. And BC, a team that has some issues, clearly, that they need to figure out here. And and I think that's why the Eskimos are not getting a lot of credit, is because it's two games people would expect them to win. They were both home games as well. But the way they've done it, and the fact that Trevor Harris has come into Edmonton, is the top quarterback in the CFL right now, and they can run the ball so effectively as well. I don't know how long they can keep it up for, but as long as they do, this team's going to keep winning. To me, a lot of my questions about Edmonton will be answered on Thursday night. In Winnipeg. And a lot of my questions about the Blue Bombers will also be answered on Thursday night. Or, you know, Friday morning, because, well, who knows when this... going to be a weather delay somewhere. Who knows the when this game's going to so... Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's Bombers' home opener against the Edmonton Eskimos... The Rec Laws are in town. Game starts at 7. On their way to Dauphin, by the way. Game starts at 7.30. I'm packing the sleeping bag in the car. Like, I'm preparing for this, Mike. Please don't tell me Milt Stiegel's coming to town with the panel as well, because every time Milt's in town, there's a weather delay. Like, I don't believe they're coming. I'm I'm just preparing for it already. Pack the sleeping bag in the car, you know. Start work a little later the day after. Here's the here's the interesting thing. It's I just foolish first off that you know we're in week two 
And three teams had a bye last week. <laughs> I'm not the only one. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Really? Yeah, and I know everybody needs three bye weeks. And there's another, you know, weekend where teams, three teams have a bye and that's Labor Day weekend. Really? The only games are Sunday and Monday Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I'm just looking here to find out when the next week of three, because there's going to be a couple. Um, there's a couple. It's just very, uh, it's just very interesting, you know, how that plays itself out. Yeah, you are right. Labor Day weekend, uh, Ottawa, Montreal, and BC are all off, and you know that's the three teams that don't really have a rivalry Labor Day game, right? But you just made Labor Day being a marquee. Like you, why you can't tell me, but you can't have Ottawa Montreal play on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and then there's another three game week two weeks later. So I get why the CFL does it because they have to give everybody three bye weeks. I think we're both just kind of saying like, could that be spread out a little more? Like week one, CFL's back, yeah, <laughs> right. Let's all take a week off in week two. No, especially the teams that were up, Winnipeg, Calgary. Who's the other team? Montreal. Montreal. Okay, a little bit for Montreal. You know, they have quarterbacking concerns, and we can talk about that. But, you know, you had Marty Prairie teams that are amped up and ready to support their teams in one of in Calgary, and to put them on a bye week, too, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Could you have imagined Ottawa being 2-0 and to start the season at this point? No. But they've done it. But to be fair, I had them at one and one. Okay. And they usually could be one and one. Yeah, that's fair. But they found a way to get it done. In fairness, Ottawa could be very close to zero and two as well. Yeah, that's if, fair as well. If you figure out the bid, you know the the bid rally in week one. I mean, Don Davis threw three or four pits in week one against Calgary, and he led them back to win the game. And last week, you know, the shootout could have gone either way. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, props to him. It was the double Dominic show for the Red Blacks. Uh, Dominic Davis to Dominique Rimes. A huge game for Rimes at wide receiver um, against Saskatchewan. I, I'm I'm impressed. You know, I did pick Ottawa to win both of these games mm -hmm. in CFL Pick'em. But if you asked me before the season, I put Ottawa in last place in the East Division. Just like most other people And did. you would have looked at, you know, the schedule and suggested that maybe, you know, Calgary in Calgary and... Yeah, you'd have to be crazy to pick Ottawa to win that game. Home for the Riders, such an Eastern game for the Riders, but it's a Western Division team, which is very interesting in itself. Is it just me or does this bye week in week three, because Ottawa's off in week three... Does this come at the worst possible time for them? No. Why? I think it's a it's a reset of expectations and keeps expectations in shot. Because if I'm Ottawa, I don't want to bye week anytime soon. I want to keep going with that momentum as long as I can. Yeah, okay, so if they lose hypothetically in week three and they're two and one. Then take the bye uh, week. Are you happy with the bye then? Yeah, maybe, you know... Depends what the loss is like. If it's a close loss, if they get blown out, then yeah, maybe it's time to reevaluate some things. But I mean, I think if you would have looked at it the other way and you would have said, 
okay, Calgary, uh, just last one. One at home, one on the road. Okay, give us a chance to breathe, right? Right. We just... Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, again, right, it's a CFO and everybody plays everybody and everybody's kind of, everybody's got those long pockets to play and the Bombers are entering one of them. I believe it is 10 or 11 straight weeks now where the Bombers have a game. Uh, they have the bye yeah, week. Oh, week 14. After they have the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, they're one of the... Uh, and then week 21 or the last week of the season. And yeah, have, weeks 2, 14, and 21 are the Bombers' buys this so year. It's a, so 11, 11 straight weeks 11 now. straight yeah. games. So, you know, every team has kind of that thing. And I think we touched on this in the scheduling show. Everybody more or less plays the same schedule as far as, like, divisional opponents go. So... It's just interesting that way. I just got the notification. The Eskimo Empire podcast episode that I was on this week is now live. So after you're done listening to this, go check that out. Yeah, yeah don't turn off. Don't us. turn off us yet. No, 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 no. And by the way, we are going uh, since we got on the air a little bit late. We will go a uh, couple minutes extra. Couple minutes extra uh, yes. to sort out, uh, give you the full hour experience. Absolutely. Um. One of the th- other things I wanted to bring up from that game, uh, I know we started talking Ottawa Saskatchewan off the top, but then we kind of moved into talking about some other stuff. Didn't really touch on everything I wanted to touch on there. Um, very impressed, by the way, with, with how Ottawa's played through two games so far. I, I, I think this is a team that, you know, Rick Campbell and Marcel Desjardins have kind of proved they're, they're almost in the starting to get into that Calgary territory where it's getting a little hard to, you know, pick against these guys. Put the brakes there. They're in the East Division. They've really only had 500 years the last two years, and it's gotten them first place. Calgary's been 14-4 and four and 12-6 and for That's fair. a long time. I understand what you're saying, and, you know, you need to feast on the opposition, and, you know, you, you doubt the schedule and the division that you're, that you're in. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, you mentioned that they're in the East. So far this season, the East is three and one against the West, Mike. The Eskimo and the Eskimos almost blew it against Montreal in Week One. Still waiting for that to balance. Give me a larger sample size here, but I don't know. Some of these Eastern teams are are looking not too bad here this year. Well, let's see Montreal and then that sits weeks without a quarterback. They have a quarterback. Well. What else their number one quarterback? I'd argue they might have a better quarterback now. So that's a different debate. Well, though. you've <laughs> always been a Vernon Adams, Adams fan. Vernon Adams. I just want the guy to get a shot. You know, let's, let's touch on Montreal here for a sec. And we're just bouncing around everywhere. And we'll, I'll get back to what I want to say about the riders here yet. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll, wait, we'll wait because I have been informed that there'll be some rider fans tuning in later on in the show. Okay. Well, uh, I'll be mentioning it soon so uh tune in quick uh <laughs> you know um, who you are yes uh but what i mean montreal you know you, you talk about how i'm a vernon adams fan this dude just it always feels like he can't catch a break and finally it looks like he's catching a break and he's getting the starting job this week with antonio pipkin on the injured list but you look at the quarterback's how many times has Vernon Adams been on the on different teams or the same team with the same set of flipping quarterbacks? Like you have Kevin Glenn, Vernon Adams, uh, Brandon Bridge in Montreal, 
Vernon Adams goes to Saskatchewan. Guess who he's behind the depth chart there? Kevin Glenn, Brandon Bridge. <laughs> goes back, to, goes over to Hamilton. He's behind Johnny Manziel. He gets passed by Johnny Manziel on the depth chart last year. Gets released or traded, goes to Montreal. Guess who comes to Montreal, passes him on the depth chart? Johnny Manziel, the same guy again. Well, guess who the Montreal Alouettes just signed this week? Brandon Bridge. It's like Vernon Adams can't escape the same set of quarterbacks. And I just hope he stays ahead on the depth chart. And he's, I hope he comes out this week for the Alouettes. I hope he has a very good game because I have been a Vernon Adams fan for a long time. I think he does have what it takes to be a decent starter. And uh, I think he can flourish if given the chance to do so. Again, it, it's one game for Montreal, but all kinds of positives are there. Can we also talk about, I believe it was our friend uh, Cliffy D from the Owlets Flight Deck podcast brought this up. Or maybe, uh, and I apologize if it wasn't him and it was somebody else, but uh, we're right back where we began, basically, five years or three to four years ago for the Alouettes with Vernon Adams and Brandon Bridge as the team's top two quarterbacks. Like, these guys both left the team and came back. So this team this team has not progressed at all at the quarterback position in the last three years. It's funny how it comes full circle. And it goes to show how small the CFL community is. And, you know, I, I've been having a relationship in the league with coaches and whatnot. is interesting. Because you have to remember, right? Let's say you leave your job, right? General work job in a daily environment. Yeah. You go somewhere else. Then your old job calls you back. And you don't have a lot of options. Right. So you go back to your old job. Meanwhile, you have a new boss. And you get along with your new boss. Time heals things. That's fair. And professional football is a business. And if you want to be in the business, it makes you do maybe have to consider and do uncomfortable things. Speaking of young quarterbacks, I do like that analogy, by the way, Mike. Uh, speaking of young quarterbacks, um, Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan, you know, Zach Caleros. I, I, I need to see more. Okay. That's what I was going to get to here yet because Zach Caleros goes down last week. Um, we hear that they're going to do quarterback by committee in this game against Ottawa. Uh, Cody Fajardo will play. Isaac Harker will play. And it's like, is Chris Jones still here? Because that seems like a very Chris Jones thing to do. Mm -hmm. And Isaac Harker never got a chance to see the field because Cody Fajardo came out and played that well. I want to draw, I have drawn this comparison on Twitter this week, and I want to get your take on it because mm -hmm. I, I, I see very strong parallels between the 2019 Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the 2018 Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Matt Nichols went down in training camp before the season started. Chris Strevler comes in. First of all, Nobody knew who he was. And people know who Cody Fajardo has been, but people have never known him to be capable of being a starter, particularly. Um, so a lot of unknowns at the quarterback position after a strong injury to your starter early in the season. Well, Chris Strevler came out and played pretty well early last season. I know it's only one game. Cody Fajardo, though, 
definitely came out and performed well this week. I'm very interested to see how Fajardo will play in the next couple of weeks. And because there's no guarantee, rather unfortunately, that Zach Caleros will play football again. I think for his personal health wise, I would recommend he doesn't, but I'm not the doctor. I don't know necessarily his situation. And if he comes back, and I you're hope... not Zach Kalaros, and, and you're not Zach Kalaros. That's ultimately his decision. And you know, I hope that if he does still want to come back and play, I, I just want the guy to stay healthy. I don't even think Kalaros knows the answer to that. No, I, I just want the guy to stay healthy. I just want the guy to be able to live a long, happy life after football whether that means, you know, this is it for him, whether it means he comes back and just stays healthy while playing. But the fact of the matter is, Cody Fajardo right now has the opportunity to come forward and, you know, be the future quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders here. That's what Strevler, you know, tried to do last season early in Winnipeg, and it's raised a lot of questions as we head into the off season after this season of, you know, both Matt Nichols and Chris Strevler being free agents, who are the Bombers going to name their starting quarterback for 2020? I think we could draw some parallels to Saskatchewan here and what Fajardo's trying to do. And uh, I, I'm interested to see if he can keep that train going moving forward. I don't want to disrespect um, Zach Talaros. I 100% agree that with you that Talaros for his personal house should not play another game. I don't think he will in Saskatchewan. If Pizzardo keeps on this trajectory, I'm not sure how you can go back to Calaros, given the Calaros track record and offensive output in one game and presumably more. Right. When you compare the sample sizes, and football is a brutal sport, I'm just not willing to hitch my card on the Pizzardo wagon yet. Yeah, I want. I do want to see a little bit more here. Uh, let's move on to let's let's talk a little bit about that Ty Cats Argos game. Uh, I don't really know what uh, how much there is to talk about in that one besides, uh, well, Toronto got the pants kicked off of them, sixty four. Well, to despite the fact that Corey Chamberlain hasn't won a regular season game in ten or eleven straight games, I didn't know that statistic. He was zero uh, and nine or zero and eight. I. I Saw the stats over my apologies, and then he lost the playoff days with like 0 and 9 or 0 and 10. Uh, going into that game, I'll admit, after this game, I had to serve myself up a big old piece of humble pie because you know, I pit, I did change my pick to the Argos to win this game. I did take a couple Argos in CFL fantasy, and we'll touch on that as we wrap up the show here after talking about this game, but uh. You know, I had James Franklin and I had Darrell Walker in my lineup this week. I was expecting the Argos to win this game. I said in the season preview show, I kind of liked what I saw from Toronto in the offseason. On defense, they brought in a couple key pieces. I thought Darrell Walker was going to make a world of a difference. An extra year for James Franklin. I didn't get a chance to see this game because I was out at the theater watching Toy Story 4. Which, I liked the movie. Eh. You know, to be fair, I only saw the third one for the first time the night before. Um, I thought the third one was a fitting ending. So how many couch cushions out of five? How many couch cushions? I'd still say it's a four out of five movie. So recommend and go see? Yeah, sure. Yeah. To the significant other of mine would like to go see it. Well, then, yeah. And I've been putting it off. 
Well, then uh, let's end this podcast early so Mike can go see the movie. No, just... <laughs> yeah, no, I would recommend it. I uh, I thought the third one was a good end to the series, and to me, maybe it's just because I don't have the nostalgia of having mm-hmm. last seen the third one nine years ago, which mm-hmm. is when I'm told it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, kind of felt like the fourth movie in the franchise was just one of those, oh, the, see, we could have ended it at three, but it made so much money, let's make a fourth but uh and then, then the fifth one inevitably comes yes absolutely but anyways yeah i didn't catch much of this tie cats argos game but uh, what happened mike like, like how did this spiral so far out of control i didn't see the game either because i happened to be at a buddy of mine's wedding but based on the summary and all the highlights i saw uh hamilton scored a touchdown basically in every way imaginable it was a Passing touchdown, rushing touchdown, interception return, fumble return. Uh, Mazzoli had a rushing touchdown. Malik Irons had a rushing touchdown. Braylon Addison had three touchdown catches. Nikola Kalinic had a pass, a receiving touchdown. And I, that's one of the highlights I did see. He had a bunch of friends just like going nuts in the stands for him. It's moments like that that are pretty great to see as well. Brandon Banks returns a missed field goal for a touchdown, like you mentioned. And then you even have on the very final play of the game with no time left, Rico Murray returns an interception for 75 yards for a touchdown, just to put the icing on the cake here. Can we speak about that for a minute? Sure. You're up mid-50s to 14 at that point. Do you really need to run that into the end zone? You know, granted, I don't think he had a whole lot of choice given the replay that I saw. But I mean, really, adding insult to injury—if that makes any sense. Yeah, I was just looking at it here. Like Toronto and Hamilton play each other three times this year, so I was thinking, I was like, oh well, maybe you know, tiebreaker points scored, but. You're not going to be tied in number of wins in the matchup unless you get into a three-way tie, which, given how crazy CFL standings have been in the last couple of years, maybe. So I don't I don't necessarily blame Hamilton for running it up, especially against the division rival. Come on. I don't know. Maybe I'll just have a different feeling after watching the U.S. absolutely annihilate uh, the women's World Cup to the tune of... Uh, 12 nothing. Oh, yeah, and the, the huge celebration after the ninth goal. And that, to me, this, this goes along the same line. And to me, it's a it's a small circle. Why do you add fuel to the fire for future matchups? Because I can guarantee you everybody on that Ardo sideline saw it. And they didn't want to do something about it the next time around. Now, the defense seemed to have struggled quite a bit here for Toronto, but and uh, but offensively, you look at the stats, like in the passing game, James Franklin, 16 of 26, 211 yards, an interception. McLeod Bethel-Thompson comes in later, 9 of 16 for 99 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Granted, you know, this game got to garbage time pretty quick. I'll say this about Toronto. I know people want to overreact. But this was also the team that put up almost 50 in a preseason game offensively. Why didn't they run the ball here? They weren't that far out of it that early in the game. Like, in the second half, uh, you know, Hamilton outscored them 44-8 to in the second half. 
Yeah, yeah, I get at that point you're not running the ball anymore. Everything's going to be a pass to try to get some sort of points. But early in the game, like looking at the stats here, it was 20 to 6 at halftime. That's still a manageable game. Like you had you brought in four extra running backs in the offseason. Granted one of them has now retired. Yeah. Mercer Timmis, uh Canadian running back retiring this week. Um why aren't you using any of them more? Like James Wilder Jr., six carries for 12 yards, that's all you're going to do? Well, I I think you kind of just answered your own question in a way. And that is, if the running room isn't there, why you try to force something that ain't there? That's fair. Because I, I think to go and do a game and say, yeah, it's 20 to 6 at halftime, we should have maybe run the ball more, is a little bit, it's an interesting train of thought just on the fact that there's a lot of circumstances that go into different types of play calls. And maybe they saw the D line of Hamilton just not allowing an offensive uh, rush or they didn't trust their offensive line to create the holes or, you know, they didn't exactly see a point because they felt the game spiraling out of control or maybe... Maybe just maybe there was some inexperience on the part of Toronto's coaching staff, which wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, Chamberlain's been in the CFL for a time or two with the Riders and got himself fired uh, on a fairly long losing streak before coming into, into Toronto. But, you know, there's circumstances for every decision, right? And I could say, I could say just to harp into the Women's World Cup, why didn't Canada's best player take the penalty kick yesterday? tie the game i didn't see that but i was you know reading reactions to it from what i've read it sounds like the girl who took the shot or the woman who took the shot mm-hmm. um couldn't have placed it any better it was just no, a great goalie, save so goalie, like, goalie made a head of a save but you so what's what's christine sinclair gonna do better than that but you understand the context of you don't know the decisions that go into a game you don't know I don't want to say you don't know your personnel very well at this point because I think if you don't know what you got on your team at all times, I think you're you're out of touch a little bit. But, you know, there's decision-making that we won't understand in games. And, you know, we just have to respect the fact that, you know, these are paid professionals that get called to call plays and... If they don't think the running game is an option down 20 to 6, which is nothing in today's CFL, then I think we need to, you know, understand that a little bit more. Ticat's offense goes from not getting much going against Saskatchewan in week one. Mazzoli struggled against the Riders, put up less than 200 yards. Sean Thomas Erlington still had a pretty solid game in week one. He does again in week two. Mazzoli has a heck of a game, throws for like 330 yards and three touchdowns and a pick. Um, do we know really where Hamilton's offense is at through two games? Is it closer no, nor to this do we route know where, in Toronto, or is it closer? Nor to do we know where Toronto is, and nor do we know where Calgary is, and nor do we know where BC is. Because I, I always live by the the mantra, especially having covered sports so much here locally and nationally and all that kind of stuff. You're not as good as your best game, but you're not as bad as your worst. You're somewhere in between. And to me, it's a real shame that Toronto gave up 64 points 
given the crowd and given they were honoring Ridley Ray and had a lot of people out to see them and you know they see the 60 point explosion doesn't necessarily you know trace off good vibes but it, it needs to be said I mean Hamilton we knew was not as bad as what their first game was and I don't think they're as good as you know, the 64-point effort. Now, of course, I think it was Brandon Banks that said this. You know, we left a lot of points on the field that we can even be better, which I find hard to believe. But you know what I mean, right? You're not as bad as, you know, it's in, Ryan, you played sports, right? Your team is not as bad as a really bad blowout. Yeah. But you're not really as good as your best win. You're somewhere in the middle most times. And I think it's just real unfortunate but. You know, Toronto came off a buy and gave up 64 points, which happened, to, happened to believe it happened to be, sorry, a uh, team record for points a lot in the history of the franchise. Yeah, not a way to open the season at home when you're trying to sell tickets. Uh, Mike, let's get into our uh, CFL fantasy and CFL pick'em talk, uh, wrapping up week two and looking at week three here. Uh, week two in our CFL fantasy challenge. Uh, you beat me in week one very handily. Um, I did gain back on you a couple points in week number two. Uh, you finished week two with 105.96 points, um, led by your top five point scorers, uh, Greg Ellingson, 29.4, Trevor Harris, 28.16, Simone Lawrence, well, that's that's a controversial one. Uh, thirteen points for you make him. You it today. Yeah, just not enough to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, twelve point three points for uh, William Powell, and then uh, Ted Laurent had seven. Uh, he did pick up a sack in that game and a couple tackles. Uh, so I had a lot of players on bye week though. You did, yes, because uh, well, you had eight bombers and they weren't playing this week. So, so. I had a hundred and five with all the all the star power conceivable on bye week. Yeah, I mean, 60 of that came from Harrison Ellingson, basically. So. I don't complain. 105.96 points, so your total so far is at 304.74. Uh, me in week two, I had 116.82, so I gained 11 points back on you. Um, my top performers, Jeremiah Mazzoli, 29.02. Charleston Hughes, 14 points. CJ Gable had a good week again at 12.8. Brandon Banks at 10.5. And Mike Riley at 10.36. Boy, through two weeks, Mike Riley only has me 23 fantasy points. I would have imagined more than that coming in week one. But, you know, waiting for things to get going there for the Lions. So overall, I'm at 261.24. You're at 304.74. So you are still beating me by 40 points. We do get to make our trades for week number three, Mike. And I didn't use one last week, but I think I will start. I will use one here. And I will uh, add a little more Canadian content to my team. And I'm going to swap out a running back here and swap out uh, Don Jackson. Didn't have a huge game in week one for Calgary. Uh, I will take Sean Thomas Erlington as a running back. That's your one move? That's that's the first move I'm making. Yeah. Okay. The first move. So there's more than one. Um, no, it will be the only move for this week. Yeah. Would you like to make any trades? I'm considering adding one of those Ottawa receivers for right now, but uh, I'll let you know at the end of the show. Well, we're basically almost at the end of the show, so keep no, thinking. I'm, I'm going to stand pat this week, I think. Okay. Uh, I did a few more guys bad from bye week, so we'll get more of a 
output from those on bye week? Uh, the CFPN Fantasy Challenge uh, did not go as planned this week for myself. I did get my first loss of the season uh, to Travis Kerr of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Uh, you Keep know, in mind, I didn't ask for consultation about his team. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought Mike had more important things to do. So, uh, <laughs> yes, only 63.1 points for myself this week. I had the lowest total out of anybody in the CFPN league. So, uh not a great showing in week number two. You know, I really got to stop second-guessing those roster decisions because at my second-last lineup I had, Dom Davis, Greg Ellingson, Braylon Addison all in there, all put up Some at least. I took Dom Davis out of his lineup, I heard. And put in James Franklin and... Uh, oh, no, Ryan. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so that didn't go well. So Travis beat me handily, 112.1 to 63.1. Uh, standings update through two weeks of the season. Uh, I did fall down the ranks. I'm in seventh overall now. Uh, top two guys are both representatives of the Eskimo Empire podcast, Andrew uh, and uh, Superfan Mike, both 2-0 to start the season. Um, Safamod from the Piffles podcast climbing up there with a strong win and the highest point total in week number two. Um, week three matchup has me going up against Sheldon from Horseman Radio. Uh, that should be a tough matchup there. He is 0-2 to start the season, but has put up at least 90 points in the first two weeks and just drew, you know, faced off against some really hot hands. So should be a tough matchup against Sheldon this week, and we'll see if I can have a bounce back week and take him down. But, uh, check him out on Twitter at CFL underscore Horseman. And check out the uh, Horseman Radio podcast on all the podcast platforms. Mike, uh, let's get into our picks for week number three quickly here. We do have still about nine minutes left, correct? Because we we are going a couple minutes overtime, just making sure the recording's set. Yep, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so three and one or two and one weeks last week for us in CFL Pick'em has me sitting at six and one. Mike is at uh, double checking here, four and three overall. Uh, so above five. Sounds about right. I was two and two in week one, two and one in week yeah, two. Yeah. So let's see if we can get back on track with some four and zero weeks in week number two. Get back on track. He only had one wrong. I know. And you changed the last one, so. <laughs> Everybody did about on trot at me. <laughs> uh, I did fall in the overall leaderboard. No longer first in CFL pick. I'm now 20th overall. But, but just because I know Andrew's probably listening to this. Yes, I am still leading the Eskimo Empire group. And uh, there was a lot of disdain for me picking Ottawa in week one. So, uh, Andrew, I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep making sure to get those right. Um Week or game number one, Eskimos in Winnipeg to face the Bombers. Who knows how many hours this game will go? But at the end of it, who do you have being the victor here, Mike? Who's in it? Yep, Bombers and Eskimos. Winnipeg by ten. I think there's just way too much riding on the Bombers, and I think there's some momentum uh, to be gained. And I think Trevor Harris hasn't seen a defense like what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are gonna pose, and. I think the big key for the Blue Bombers is something that they did in that, in that week one game, and that's made Ottawa. Made, uh, Ottawa. Of course, I've been to Trevor. Hill. I mean, Edmonton is basically the Ottawa of the West, so. Okay, so uh, I'm a little bit forgiven there. Um, But, no, I, I believe that what, what they're going to do is 
you know, based on neutralizing of BC's running game in week number one, I don't think they made Edmonton a little bit one-dimensional. And I do like the back end of the Winnipeg defense to maybe force a few turnovers on, on uh, Trevor Harris. This is going to be the key matchup here. And they don't play it. They're never on the field at the same time. But it's the Harris versus Harris Bowl here because yeah. Trevor Harris has been the hot hand for the Eskimos. Andrew Harris is the biggest key for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Whoever comes out and has the better game, I think, might lead to might decide who wins this game. Uh, Andrew Harris is historically the Eskimo killer, um, and I think that's going to help you know this offense stabilize things a little more than uh, than Edmonton or than BC could against the Eskimos. I think our offensive line here in Winnipeg uh, will be able to hold off the Eskimos' defense a little bit. So I think it's going to be a really, really close game here. But, uh, you know, Edmonton didn't close out very strong in Week 1 against Montreal. They didn't get going too strong in this game. So they haven't played a full 60 minutes yet, as good as they've looked. I'll take the Bombers to win a close game in Week number 3. Did he? On the same page. Uh, next game has the Montreal Alouettes in Hamilton to face the the tie cats coming off a 64 14 win are you prepared are you prepared to take an upset against these tie cats to fall back down or are they just going to steamroll through another game here steamroll to me sounds a little bit far-fetched uh want to see vernon adams what he does i like that second half for sure but something just told me i cannot take montreal on this one so i'm gonna roll hamilton by less than a touchdown now, I could follow up last week's or week one's crazy pick of Ottawa over Calgary. I followed that up with week two's crazy pick of Toronto over Hamilton. Could I follow that no, up with Montreal it. over Hamilton in week three but, three? but no, after I was so terribly wrong with Toronto don't do over it. Hamilton. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not letting boy in your head, but don't do it. So good to have you back, Mike. <laughs> no, I'll take the Ticats to win this one as well. I, I think Mazzoli uh, bounced back really strongly in week two. That Ticats uh, offense is going to be ticking here. I think Vernon Adams might be able to do some interesting things here this week against one of his former teams as he gets starting job. I think it will be a close game, but sure, I'll, I'll take the Ticats at home to win this one as well. So uh, we agree through two games so far. Let's get our third game on Saturday, the last game of June. The BC Lions, the Calgary Stampeders, you teed this off, uh, teed this up at the start of the show. One of these teams will be winless through three weeks. Uh, the 0-2 Lions against the 0-1 Stampeders. I'll go first on this one. Really, really tempted to take Calgary to start the season 0-2, but... I don't know, just that offensive line play for BC. Until BC gets some sort of running game going, they're one-dimensional. Mike Riley, as amazing of a quarterback as he is, you know, his go-to seems to be that deep ball. And if Mike Riley's going to throw the deep ball, I guarantee you Trey Roberson's going to get at least one pick this week. He got three in week one. Uh, so I will take BC to be improved this week, but pick against Calgary twice in a row, even I'm not that crazy. So I'll take Calgary. Somebody just had to do it on this show, and it didn't be me. I'm going to pick the BC Lions. I, I just find it real hard to believe that uh, Mike Riley and Eskimos, Eskimos, darn it, too many changes. I mean, BC is the Edmonton of the West, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Whatever. What are we going to uh, say after that? That's as far uh, west as we can go now. Right. I'm, I'm used to this old CFR. I still need to get used to Mike Riley and uh, BC colors again. Uh, but no, I think it to be a close game. I think I like BC's back end just a little bit more at this point than Calgary. And I really don't believe that Mike Riley's never been one to... Um, put the ball in dangerous spots. So I don't think Trey Roberson's going to get three interceptions. I don't think he's going to throw three uh, interceptions. And I, I think uh, BC wins a close one. Uh, and then last game of the week, uh, Canada Day game, uh, Toronto in Saskatchewan to face the Riders. Who do you got? I got Saskatchewan kicking this out by less than a field goal. Um... I just like Saskatchewan the chance to win at home at the home open in Canada Day and all, all the hoopla that goes with that. But I also really uh, think that Toronto's going to bounce back from giving up 64 points. And because to me this game comes in at less than a touchdown, actually less than a field goal in my mind, uh, that's advantage home team in most cases for me. And I, I think the crowd is going to uh, straighten out Saskatchewan's defense to an extent, and the Riders won a close one. I'll take Toronto. I had three home teams winning thus far. I can't see all four home teams winning. How That doesn't happen too often. Toronto's going to be pissed off after that 64-14 loss. Um, I think it'll be a close game as well, but you know what? I'll take this one as my upset this week, perhaps, and I'll take the Argos... Uh, Hopefully this time I don't regret it like I did last week. But uh, that does it basically for this week's show, Mike. Do I have a minute here to wrap things up? Uh, 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, so that does it. We'll be back again next week. Uh, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca for everything there. And uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM And like, comment, review, subscribe on all the podcast platforms. Thank you all for listening. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying have a wonderful week. Bye.